Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. So happy to join with you. So grateful. Oh my goodness. Our topic today is the cost of specialness. I love it. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you for guiding us to this topic. (laughs) Let's place our hand on our heart and let's tune inward here with a blessing. So grateful and thankful to shine the light of love to open our hearts and minds to fulfilling our function. We are the light of the world, and we are willing to be it, to broadcast it, and thus fulfill our function. We are grateful for the teachings of A Course in Miracles and knowing that they are written in our heart. And so we're opening ourselves to fully release any attachment to specialness, any craving for specialness, any aversion to specialness. We're letting it all go. We're being guided by the light within. The light of the Christ is bright within us. We are grateful to share the benefits of our healing, our awakening, our expansion, our loving heart and mind with all of our brothers and sisters, all beings everywhere, because we are forever united in this field of infinite love, all one. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes! (laughs) I'm on fire! (laughs) This girl's on fire! Uh, I truly am. I truly am. Uh, We are just a few days away from starting the Change Your Mind About Your Body program. I just got off the phone with John Mundy and I am so grateful that this is what we get to do. And I'm so grateful to be able to have five months on one topic. I'm so excited about that. So, uh, yes, uh, there are certain things in A Course in Miracles that if you just keep working them and working them and working them diligently, consistently, devotedly, then you will see miraculous shifts and changes. So the release of special relationship calling forth holy relationship, that's one thing. And then uh, the release of specialness is another. The need for specialness is another. The release of judgment is another. The practice of forgiveness is another. Recognizing I am not a body, but I have a body. And uh, I would add to this that I am not my personality, but I have a personality. And so, and there are other things, of course, but these things, if you just work them, pick one, and say, today I'm going to focus on noticing any need I have for specialness. So what is specialness? It's the need for others to think we're special because that will make us feel special. 
or even if in our own mind, I'm special. It could even be like a secret specialness. I'm special because I, I've got a new car coming. That makes me special. I'm special because I lost 10 pounds and I can fit into a size 12 or whatever it is. Uh, I'm special because I, I'm getting married I'm special because I'm retiring. Whatever it might be, that sense of specialness, it is absolutely doubling down on the ego. And so the cost of specialness is unhappiness. Sacrificing, in a sense, our happiness for specialness. Trading is probably a better word. Trading our happiness for specialness. So today I'm looking in chapter 24, section 3, and it's entitled The Forgiveness of Specialness. And it begins with forgiveness is the end of specialness. So if you'd like, if you can see that the craving for specialness is an ego craving that it, it can't be fulfilled. It can't be. You're not going to succeed at fulfilling it. No matter how hard you try, you will not succeed at fulfilling the need for specialness. Because that's the thing about ego needs. The ego uh, is a thought system that has at its core this hunger. This hunger. Uh, the Buddhists talk about the hungry ghost. The, and so the ego is like the hungry ghost. It has a voracious need for more, and it will, uh, the thoughts will seem to eat you up from the inside. We even have that expression, it's just eating me up, that whatever. That's ego right there. And it makes sense that it's you know, we say, oh, it's just eating me up inside to know that he or she is getting that promotion that I wanted so much and I deserved and they got it. It's just eating me alive. That kind of expression, think about it, eating me up. It, the, the ego is that always needing, wanting, craving. And it's also completely tied to the solar plexus chakra, which is right there in the upper belly uh, related to the stomach. So these expressions, like it's eating me up alive, they, they come from something. They come from something. And so I, I have... I can tell you for years, we were talking about this in Masterful Living yesterday, for years I really was addicted to fantasy and it took me a long time to realize that fantasy, uh, and I'm not talking about sexual fantasy, I'm talking about fantasizing I have a different life, I have a different body, I have a different experience, a different job, a different level of intelligence, a, a different level of beauty, a different level of financial prosperity, a, a, all, you know, different, different, different than what I'm experiencing now. That's 
fantasy. So we fantasize a different dream because the dream we're in already, the illusion, is so dissatisfying. So we think that the way to escape the illusion is into uh, a better illusion, right? Like in The Matrix, the character Gopher, he wants to eat the steak and be the rock star and have a better illusion instead of having a real life in the real world as a, knowing himself as the son of God. Let's say, that's not in the matrix, but that's how, to me, the Holy Spirit is teaching us through the movie The Matrix. Ooh, I'm spiraling around today here in my excitement. So if we just look in our own heart and mind, where are we fantasizing about specialness? That's a good place to start. I'll be happy when... But it's often specialness and fantasy. The fantasy is not that closely attainable. It might be for some people. But for other people, they're fantasizing about things like winning the lottery, being famous, writing a book, um, even, of course, being a spiritual teacher and things like that. So what I have found is that fantasy of specialness leaves a hangover because we come back to the experience we're having and we're even less satisfied. It's even less tolerable. I do think, too, that one of the reason why, reasons why suicides are up, uh, I know I've been hearing it in the news, it's a topic of interest to me, more people committing suicide and often related to social media, to being bullied on social media. And spiritual students are not exempt from bullying people on social media. I've been bullied on social media. I have. My friends have been bullied on social media by A Course in Miracles students. It seems insane, but it does happen. So, um, yeah, people have said some pretty bizarre things sometimes. And I just, you know, I... It, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. It just takes time and energy to have to, to deal with it. But um, it gives me an opportunity to, it's that pray for them that despitefully use you, that teaching of Jesus. So sometimes people do see spiritual teachers as special and then they um, get mad at them sometimes when they don't, when they disappoint, or when they aren't what they think is perfect. Um, and if anybody's idea of perfect is that 
I have no judgments, no opinions, no preferences, or <laughs> no desires for my own life, then I would disappoint a lot of people. I don't think too many people are thinking that of me, but sometimes people throw accusations and all kinds of stuff at me, and uh, that's the thing. If you're going to put stuff out there, some people will throw mud at it, uh, especially if they, it's especially intense if they think of you as special and then they take you off that pedestal. So to me, I, I'm always looking in my life now for where is there a need for specialness or have I attributed specialness? So am I honoring that person or am I making them special? I, I have worked with celebrities in my lifetime and worked around celebrities and seen how that can go. And it actually developed in me a kind of aversion to it. But most specialness is not related to celebrity. It's really just in the most small ways. Like any parent is going to be humbled uh, by their need for specialness or just even liking specialness. Uh, Every parent probably uh, has, or almost every parent has stories about their teenage children being embarrassed by them or wanting to pretend they're not their parents or feeling ashamed by what the parent is wearing or doing. Even people, uh, children whose parents are celebrities. (laughs) This celebrities, all celebrities have stories. If you watch the the chat shows, which I, I like to watch the late night chat shows, I like Seth Meyers and Stephen Colbert, and um, they have um, celebrities on there all the time who are saying, you know, so they'll be asked, um, do your children um, think what you're doing is cool? And they're like, oh, God, no, no, not at all. <laughs> so um, specialness is 100% in the eye of the beholder. And when it comes to our own specialness, one of the ways that we can feel that need for specialness is it's always tied to insecurity. It's always tied to a sense of unworthiness. The craving for specialness, the desire for specialness is tied to that unworthiness. Uh, I want special treatment. I want special privileges. I want special recognition. So I have found that the more I feel secure in myself, the less that is important to me. Uh, For instance, I just was uh, one of, uh, I guess there were five of us, speaking at the UK Course in Miracles conference. You can get those recordings. I'm sure you can get them all now. I I really enjoyed that. I heard... um, the other speakers, and and, uh, was grateful for that opportunity. Uh, I I love to 
be in that Course of Miracles conversation with folks. And years ago, I would have been just super thrilled and excited and felt so special that I'd been asked to do something like that. It's my second time speaking for them at their conference. And I, I'm, I'm so honored for the opportunity. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to a group of people about truth principles wherever they are wherever they are, whoever is hosting. My neighbor could host a gathering. I I would seriously be just as excited to go. But there was a time, for sure, when I would have said, oh, that makes me special, and I I want to be a special A Course in Miracles teacher. I kid you not, when I started out doing this, for sure, I had goals. I'd like to speak at these conferences. I'd like to be able to be on a platform with these people. And that that is not important to me anymore. What's important to me is the quality of the conversation, the quality of the opportunity to connect with other people. That's the thing that's most important to me now. And I can see that that specialness that need for specialness has gone away because I am seeing myself as one in this field of love, knowing most of the time that I am whole, perfect, and complete, and nothing can improve me. So nothing can truly validate me. I'm already validated. I'm pre-validated. I got my validation. You know, I lived in L.A. a long time, so you go someplace and they're like, do you need validation? It's like, no, I don't, but my car parking ticket does. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't need validation, but my parking ticket does. Um, It's not, of course, it's wonderful. It's lovely to hear from people who say, I love this podcast. It touched me so much. It's really helped me. I'm getting married now. Or I got married. Uh, I, I met the love of my life because I was practicing what you're talking about. I've been able to heal my body because of what you're talking about and working these principles and the way you share it is wonderful. I love to hear that because that's my answered prayer. Other people using the principles, sharing the principles, living the principles, healing their families, healing their bodies. That's my answered prayer. So I never get tired of hearing that. And I don't feel that I need it anymore. I don't need that to, I would continue in a vacuum because energetically I can feel the difference that it makes, even if it only makes a difference for me. But I also, one of the wonderful things for me about doing the podcast is I feel our connection, yours and mine, when I'm recording it. I might not know your name or where you live or what you look like, what your situations and circumstances are, but I do feel you. And that, for me, I don't have to hear from anyone in order to feel that. That is the secret sauce, or not the secret sauce, it's the 
sacred sauce. <laughs> the sacred sauce that I love so much. Mm-hmm. Mm, just feeling that. So craving specialness is a deterrent to awakening. It's, it gets in the way. We have to surrender the need for specialness. So if we can remember to laugh when we see it going on. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this Change Your Mind About Your Body program that starts Monday, May 29th. And if you're listening to this in June, July, August, September, October, or even after it's all done, you'll be able to get the recording. So you can always uh, jump in at any point and uh, get started. So don't let that deter you from beginning just because we've already started. Uh, being able to focus on our relationship with our body and our thoughts about our body, so much specialness is uh, related to the body, right? Because the body is the, the hero of the dream. It's the hero of the fantasy. And so people fantasize themselves looking better, feeling better, doing amazing things, all of it in the body. At one point in the Course, Jesus says, all temptation is of the body. It's related to the body. It's All temptation is related to seeing yourself as separate, not one. So the temptation of specialness is very strong. And the special relationship with another person is the... Mm, it is the vortex of learning about specialness. Because just the, especially in romantic relationship and partnership, but also, as I was saying just a few minutes ago, uh, children and parents. Parents feel rejected by their children. Children feel rejected by their parents. They don't feel special by these special people in their lives. Right? You can definitely have a special relationship with your parents and your children. And that need for specialness, it feeds the insecurity. If we feed the need for specialness, we're feeding the concept that we're not good enough, something's wrong with us, we're bad, and that our specialness compensates for that. So think of how many people feel unworthy of love and goodness, and they strive so hard to get other people's recognition. They work so, so hard it's easy to think of a few people off the top of your head. You can see them and think of them. They're not happy. They don't have a smiling countenance. They don't seem to be lit from within. What is driving them? The need for recognition, the need for adulation, the need for attention, relevance. This is something I've heard a lot about in recent years that people are desperate to be relevant, especially people who used to be relevant and special, and now they're not so relevant and special. 
sometimes those people, they, they can't stand that everybody doesn't think they're super special anymore. A has-been, right? That can be very intense. But if we just look at our own experience and where, for instance, uh, I am going to uh, the Tribeca Film Festival next month in June because one of my dearest friends who I've been close friends with for decades, he has a film in the Tribeca Film Festival that he's starring in. And um, so a group of us, I said to some of our oldest friends, let's, let's all go to New York. You know, it's an excuse to go to New York. It's, it's no longer my favorite place. I lived there 10 years. But let's just all get together and go have fun at the Tribeca Film Festival. So we're going to do that for a couple of days. Now that COVID seems to be uh, over in a sense, uh, let's go do that. Let's go um, have some fun. So then I started to think, at what am I going to wear to a film festival? You know, the, I'm, I'm not going to be on the red carpet. My friends will be, my, my friend and his wife. But uh, what, what are we going to wear? And then I just thought, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, maybe I'll get something new. Maybe I won't. Do I need to look especially good? I don't feel that I do. I just would like to feel whatever I'm wearing is comfortable and I'm having fun in it. And it doesn't really matter. It, I don't have to lose 10 pounds to get into a new outfit. I don't have to get a new outfit. I don't have to go through any of that drama. But I would have. And it was one of my early thoughts when the uh, when we all agreed, yes, we're all going to go get hotels and all that stuff. We're coming up to wedding season, graduations, all of that. And people are thinking, oh, I want to lose weight so I look good for those events and those things. That really is about specialness. And some people say, I want to do this so I don't look bad. So I don't look bad. Well, that is like bad specialness. So specialness is not necessarily good. Sometimes specialness can be, I'm so bad, that that is what is making me special. Perfect time for me to take a break here. If you're interested in any of the wonderful things that we're doing at the Power of Love Ministry, go to jenniferhadley.com, look on the events page. We've got a lot of great things coming up, including programs for spiritual counselors and teachers and people who are making a difference in the world. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. My name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about the cost of specialness. And the cost is it prevents us from awakening and it keeps the misery going. So I know I said uh, before, we're going to look at chapter 24, section 3, and I haven't even said the first sentence <laughs> so I guess I'll do that now. Forgiveness is the end of specialness. 
Only illusions can be forgiven and then they disappear. It's true. It's so true. That's why in Masterful Living, in Finding Freedom, in our spiritual counseling training and certification programs, all the programs at the Power of Love Ministry, we are focused on self-forgiveness. Now, self-forgiveness is the tool that we use when we are finding ourselves coming up against resistance, reluctance, old grievances that are not falling away. So when there's a sense of distress, disharmony, hurt, suffering of any kind, self-forgiveness is the thing that brings lasting relief. Only illusions can be forgiven and then they disappear. And what I teach is forgiveness is the release of the meaning we made of things. That's what true forgiveness is. It's release of the attachment to our interpretations and the meanings we made of things. Jesus says forgiveness is release from all illusions and that is why it is impossible but partly to forgive. So you can't kind of forgive them. It's not about forgiving them anyway. It's about forgiving ourselves. And if you consider right now in this moment, what are some things that you've done in your life seeking for specialness? And again, as I was saying going into the break, could be positive, so-called positive specialness, like, oh, I won the award. Um, I got the recognition, the validation. Or it could be the negative specialness of um, I'm so pathetic that they took pity on me and helped me. That's a kind of specialness too. So think about times in your life experience when you craved specialness or you traded something for specialness because this is something that people do. So people who, like, think of all the love songs you've heard. Every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. So sometimes... People feel special because someone is stalking them. As crazy as that sounds. I remember seeing something, I think it was the show Episodes, which I thought was hilarious. A sitcom called Episodes with um, Matt, I can't think of his name from Friends. He had a stalker, and I think it was, there was a, a theme in there about he had a stalker, and he uh, actually, he liked having a stalker. You know, he liked <laughs> the specialness of it. Uh, so, but people will get married to someone because that's someone validates them, makes them feel special, even though there's not love there. 
because where there's specialness, it's not love. But people will settle for specialness when they don't really know what love is and they don't feel worthy of love. And I am not being critical of that at all because we all have our path of learning. We all have our scripts. And I'm, I'm not interested in judging anybody's script, including my own. So I... I know there were times when I certainly wanted to be special, have certain people think I was special. That was important to me. And then I'd have bragging rights because people thought I was special. (laughs) Or people who were special thought I was special. And that's something that goes on often with parents and children. My children are special, therefore so am I. And so it, it, it drives a lot of suffering and misery. I've known people who were so, so proud of their children and how wonderful their children were. And then uh, and the accomplishments as they grow up and become men and women. And then that child has uh, uh, passes, you know, or they... they they make their transition, they die, they have um, a tragedy that befalls them, and now that child is no longer special in that way. And the parent now doesn't have their specialness anymore. And I've seen parents go through that where they fall into such a deep hole of grief because they're not just grieving their loss of their human relationship with their child. They're grieving the loss of their specialness. Some people, when they retire, they go through a grieving process because it's also related to specialness, that they once were someone who they had a team of 100 people or they managed a big company, had a lot of responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're retired and they don't have that feeding their sense of specialness every day. And so that can be uh, a grief period for people, grieving the loss of specialness. So forgiveness is release from all illusions, and that is why it is impossible, but partly to forgive. No one clings to one illusion can see himself, sorry, no one who clings to one illusion can see himself as sinless, for he holds one error to himself as lovely still. So if we hold on to one illusion about ourselves, whether it's we're especially bad or especially good, whether it's secret or public, that will be the root cause of suffering and much suffering. And what I've come to see that I'm so grateful I can see it is that the foundational thoughts of specialness, of I'm so good because, I'm so bad because, these kinds of thoughts are foundational to many, 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 many other thoughts that are predicated upon that foundation. So if I believe I'm special because 
I, I'm beautiful, and I've never met anybody who was beautiful, who really thought they were special. Uh, but um, the world will treat beautiful people who the world agrees are physically beautiful. We may not, but um, others may. For instance, Vogue magazine recently has had two, two people, two women, Martha Stewart, at 80 years old or 81, and another woman, I can't think of her name, a beautiful Filipino woman who has all these amazing tattoos uh, and is 105, I think, or 106, uh, had them on the cover of Vogue magazine. And both of these women are obviously beautiful, but one is very wrinkled and one is not. No, Martha Stewart was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, not Vogue. Sorry. Um, <laughs> not that it matters, but uh, she was on the cover of the swimsuit um, issue, which is a big deal for models and a big deal to have an, a woman over the age of 80 on the cover, still glorifying the body either way, of course. But if if that specialness means something in the sense that I'm a better person because of, because of it, or this counterweights my badness, you see, because that has a lot to do with specialness. Okay, I'm not a good person, I'm a bad person, I'm stupid, I'm evil, or whatever, but I'm beautiful on the outside, and people value me for that. Specialness always has a fall. Pride goeth before the fall. So whether it's bad specialness or good specialness, it always has that kind of tragic comeuppance. Um, I've seen women who were very beautiful as young women, and the world valued their beauty and would part the sea for their beauty. And then they are older, and now the world does not value their type of beauty. They're still beautiful, but the world does not value it in the same way. And now who are they? Where is their identity? If their identity is tied to the way their body looks then there is going to be suffering. And so many of us have our identity very much wrapped in our body, whether our body is, you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever the body looks like or is experiencing, many of us have wrapped our identity up in our body and so and the specialness of the body. So it could be, I'm especially ill, that's my specialness. And not everybody who has intense illness has got that going on. And uh, you can tell by their demeanor, are they joyful? Are they able to be joyful or not? And I want to be very careful here because... Folks who are having intense issues in the body, I think, are more intent on waking up than anybody else. I do. I really do. That is my gut feeling about it. And so I admire 
everyone who's doing this journey with difficulty in the body. And I know many, many deeply spiritual, deeply loving and kind and beautiful people who have really got intense challenges with the body. And if you look throughout history, the greatest mystics, many of them, had intense challenges with the body. Many of them. It's, uh, I can't think of any of their names right now, but I know that they did. And so that's part of that working with a level of the mind to give up that sense of specialness. So going back here, no one who clings to one illusion can see himself as sinless, for he holds one error to himself as lovely still. So if we have any illusion or delusion about ourselves, then we will not be able to see the purity of the Christ within. And so he calls it unforgivable and makes it a sin. So any illusion we have about ourselves, we're going to turn into a sin and make it unforgivable. But everything is forgivable when we understand what forgiveness really is. It's the release of the judgments and the opinions. How can he then give his forgiveness wholly when he would not receive it for himself? So if we can't forgive ourselves, can we actually forgive others? So this is one of the reasons why it is so helpful to focus on the self-forgiveness. And if we can just even focus on forgiving ourselves for needing special attention, special recognition. When we can forgive ourselves, then we can forgive others. And that is so helpful to us because we project so much onto others. And that's why our brother is our salvation. If we cannot forgive our brothers and sisters, if we continue to judge them, and to hold grievances against them. It's because we're holding grievances against ourselves. And so the way to happy, healthy relationships is always through self-forgiveness. It's always through self-forgiveness. Jesus is saying here that how can he then give his forgiveness wholly, completely, when he would not receive it for himself? For it is sure he would receive it wholly, completely, the instant that he gave it so. And thus his secret guilt would disappear forgiven by himself. Whatever form of specialness you cherish, you have made sin. Inviolate it stands, strongly defended with all your puny might against the will of God. And thus it stands against yourself, your, your enemy, not God's. So we ourselves are the enemy. And we are saying, God, I am right, you are wrong. You see the Christ in me. You know the Christ in me. You created the Christ in me. And I'm saying, nope, this is a hunk of junk. This is unlovable. And so we often focus so much of that onto the body. And the body's lack of specialness can be a huge disappointment. 
I know I've been through that so much in my life. It's partly why I'm really excited to do this changing your mind about your body work because I I really have changed my mind about my body and I feel so differently in my body now and my body of course like everybody's body is ever changing right that's everything in this world is changing the changeless is the the infinite not the temporal so being able to change my mind about my body has been a liberation for me and I I know there were times in my life when I thought I was special because of my body but more often I wanted specialness because of my body meaning I wanted my body to be special in the eyes of others and I felt like I was failing. And so I felt that I was a failure because I was so identified with the body. So the craving for specialness really was a strong thing for me when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, and constantly failing. I laughed when I went to Hawaii. I uh, moved to Hawaii in 2015. And I, while I was there, a friend of mine that I had gone to the Caribbean to um, Martinique with in the 80s sent me a scan of a photograph of me on the beach in Martinique in my bathing suit. And I took that picture and I I made that same pose on a beach in Hawaii and uh, I compared the two photographs and probably... I probably weighed 35 or 40 pounds more in the Hawaii picture than in the Martinique picture. But I felt so much better about my body with all the extra weight. The weight didn't make me feel worse about my body. It didn't make me feel better about my body. That was something that was happening in my mind. And so it was also very much related to giving up the specialness of needing to look a certain way Why do we need to look a certain way except for it gives us, so we think, some kind of special status? And, um, I mean, we all know people who were thin and unattractive because of their personality. And we all know people who were very heavy and were very attractive because of their personality, right? So, because, and because their personality was allowing their heart, their loving heart, their loving nature, their playful nature, their sweetness, their kindness, their strength to shine through. And that's what makes people attractive. It's not 
the body. It's not the color of the skin. It's not the color of the hair. It's none of that, right? But when we are seeking after specialness, we can absolutely know that is a sign that we are so identified with the body. Even if the specialness is, as I say, things like, uh, I'm special because I got the promotion. Our spiritual nature doesn't get a promotion. It it gets awakening. (laughs) And so having a promotion at work doesn't affect our awakening. Being kind, being loving, being gentle. So the way out of specialness is always going to be being loving, being kind, being gentle, being caring with everyone, but most especially ourselves because only those who feel unworthy seek for specialness it says whatever form of specialness you cherish you have made sin inviolate it stands strongly defended with all your puny might against the will of god and thus it stands against yourself your enemy not god's so yourself is your enemy So does it seem to split you off from God and make you separate from him as its defender? You would protect what God created not, and yet this idol that seems to give you power has taken it away. And that is the crux of it, that we seem to get power from, I've got the prestige, I've got the job, I've got the body, I've got the brilliant children, I've got this, I've got the wonderful spouse, I've got this, I've got that, I've got the nice home, I've got the nice car, I've got the nice bank account, all of these things give me power. No, they don't, and we know it. There's just no escape from different forms of suffering that will come our way when we have these attachments in the form of specialness. It says here, this idol seems to give you power, has taken it away. Yet this idol that seems to give us power has taken it away. Because we've given our power to the idol, whatever that is, whatever that specialness is. So if you can just look within right now, allow that higher Holy Spirit self to point you in the direction of where are you chasing specialness? Where are you chasing status, validation, affirmation? Remember, if you don't feel appreciated and you're grumbling about it, you're probably giving in order to get appreciation, and that appreciation is a form of specialness. So common. If you're giving to get appreciation, you're seeking specialness. And it's going to end up causing you some suffering because people always know when you're seeking appreciation, you're seeking validation, and it's kind of icky. Nobody really likes it except the person who's keen to manipulate you to get that stuff from you. So if you're giving to get, you can just realize, oh, this is me seeking for specialness. It's... 
it takes courage to look at this and to see and really recognize if I can just give up the need for specialness and recognize the Christ within is my validation. It is everything, and I already have that. Now, here's another thing to look at, because later in this section, it says the slaves of specialness will yet be free. It also says the special ones are all asleep, surrounded by a world of loveliness they do not see. Freedom and peace and joy stand there beside the bier on which they sleep and call them to come forth and waken from their dream of death, yet they hear nothing. They are lost in dreams of specialness. They hate the call that would awaken them, and they curse God because he did not make their dream reality. So when we're chasing specialness and it doesn't happen, people fall into despair. One of the things that I feel is really helpful is to recognize when our loved ones, that they have this hunger for specialness, to know that instead of trying to help them see it, let's offer them the antidote. So we don't have to speak to their personality. We can call to their holiness. Our holiness blesses the world. So when we see in someone that hungering and that thirst for recognition, for specialness, sometimes we can have an aversion to it and we want to shut it down by ignoring it or making it bad or wrong or even trying to teach them about it. Let's not do any of that because all of that feels like ego. Instead, let's see it as a cry for love the cry for specialness as the cry for love, because surely that is definitely what it is. So when we see that cry for love, of cry for specialness in our brothers and sisters, what we can offer them is genuine love and compassion and the, to help them see that they are magnificent. So instead of trying to placate them or to get their icky energy off of us, just see the Christ in them. And that's how they become our salvation. And we are sharing this salvation together. We're going for that holy instant. It's a wonderful opportunity. So seeking for specialness is always going to bring suffering. If we can recognize the signs of it, then we can turn it over to the Holy Spirit for healing and let the end of specialness arrive. And we don't have to pay the price for specialness anymore. How wonderful that we can set ourselves free from that. My goodness, so blessed. Yes, and if you know you struggle with specialness around the body, check out the Change Your Mind About the Body program, which starts May 29th. Again, you can join us at any point during the program. We welcome you. It's time for me to say a prayer 
We are grateful and thankful for the end of specialness happening right here, right now. We are grateful to open ourselves to a full recognition of the holiness that is ours now and forever and to see it in our brothers and sisters, sharing the benefits with all and let it be.